This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Why did the angel say to Zechariah, Knowest thou not what these bees? And Zechariah had to say, I'm sorry, I don't know. What the angel is doing here is the angel is drawing out of Zechariah a confession. He's drawing, he's making Zechariah say it, Zechariah. Say that you're dull. Say that you're slow to understand. And that's important. That level of honesty is important because it shows an honesty with God. And that's what we have to do. When we come to God, we can't come to God and say, we know it all. We've got to come like Zechariah just says, yes, I'm slow to understand. And not only that, my minds are prone to wander off like hymn 848. Hymn 848 says, the holiest we enter in perfect peace with God through whom we found our center in Jesus and his blood. Though great may be our dullness in thought and word indeed, we glory in the fullness of him who meets our need. Or another great hymn, hymn number 83, hymn number 83, oh to grace, how great a debtor, unconstrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And so the angel now tells Zechariah, okay, Zechariah, this is what it means. It's a message to Zerubbabel. It's a message to Zerubbabel and all Israel. And the message is, verse six, then he answered it, verse six, he answered and said unto me, spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The angel said to Zechariah, it's a word for Zerubbabel. Who is Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel was the governor ruler of Judah. 
during a very important time in Israel's history, during the rebuilding of the Second Temple. The Jewish people at this time were a conquered people. They were a people in slavery, again, after Egypt, now in Babylon. They had been there, and when King Cyrus made a decision to let a small group, a handful of Jewish people, return to Israel to rebuild their city, Jerusalem, and their temple. And it was to this small group of people that were returning to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple when they did, that when they got to Jerusalem, they saw their beloved city a pile of ashes. Its walls were thrown down, trash was everywhere, rubbish. Jerusalem had been broken up, had been burned, had been ransacked, and nothing remained. And the people were very discouraged when they saw that. And this is who God wrote these words to as he realized that the, that the rebuilding of the temple was going to be, and he was telling them, he says, look, you're gonna rebuild the city, you're gonna rebuild the temple, but I've gotta tell you, my Jewish people, and from verse six, verse six, that you're gonna do it not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And so the angel tells Zechariah, this is the meaning of the vision. Zechariah, do you see a menorah? Do you realize what the sight of that menorah has come to mean for the priest normally? When the priests see a menorah, they see work. They see work, Zechariah. All they have to, they see, when they see a menorah, they say, well, all we have to do, do, do. And the priests have come to see themselves as so vital, as so important that they think they're holding everything together. The priests look at this menorah and they say, I'm the reason that this menorah keeps burning. Without me, this menorah will go out. So the angel was saying to Zechariah, Zechariah, just look at this menorah. Look at the menorah in this picture. When you'll see this, you'll see there are no priests there. There are no priests on that scene. There are no priests harvesting, pressing the olive oil and collecting it and filtering it and sanctifying it and filling it. No priests at all. And yet this menorah keeps burning with no priests. The olive trees drip their oil into the bowl. The pipes carry the oil from the bowl into the wells. The candles keep burning without any priests. The menorah is working not by might and not by power of the priests. This menorah is working by the Spirit of God, by God's Spirit. And that's the way the work of God will go forward. The priests here, they're like the high priest that was in the previous chapter, in chapter three, clothed with filthy rags. But by the grace of God, those filthy rags have been taken away. They've been replaced with clean clothes, the righteousness of Christ. And we wanna see others come to Christ. We wanna see that work go on. And we think that we are the ones that are keeping the menorah going. But ultimately, others will come to Christ not by our might, not by our power, but by the Spirit of God, as the Lord Jesus said. Here's why this is gonna happen. Here's why others will come to Christ. Because of Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18, where Christ said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We go on with Christ, and we don't follow away from him. And ultimately, 
it's not because of us, it's because God is not a quitter and he finishes work that he starts and he started a work in us, he's gonna finish the work in us. Philippians 1.6, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we witness to others and we want them to come to Christ and the scene of the, the menorah, it's so important for us because we realize we're not alone in the work of seeing others come to Christ. We're not alone in our witnessing. The Spirit of Christ is also working, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, Acts 5.32, Acts 5.32. We are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God had given to them to obey him. You know, right now, you know that as you pray for the summer blitzers, they're distributing the, the book changed. And we're planning on shipping two million copies of this book changed into Israel so that every home can receive a copy. And so we've been working, kind of like the priest, we've been working on getting it translated into Hebrew and getting the two million copies printed. It's not a small number. Two million copies printed, planning on the shipment of those books on pallets in containers to float across the ocean to Israel. And that means that we need to know, we need to calculate exactly, you gotta figure these things out, how many copies of the book will fit on one pallet and how many pallets will fit in one container and how many containers we need to, to ship to get the two million copies into Israel and which port in Israel they're gonna go in and which lawyers are gonna arrange for the entry, and how much money we have to pay for the entry, and where the containers will be stored in Israel, and who exactly who will be delivering these two million copies to every Jewish home within two days, and how many pallets will fit in one delivery truck, and how many motorcycles will be supplied from one delivery truck as a supply truck, and it's gonna be used to hand deliver all those two million uh, copies of two million Jewish homes. And believe me, it's a huge operation. It's like a, like a, like a D-Day, a lot of moving parts. And it's so easy to look at this project, like the priests to look at the menorah and see work, 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 and lose sight of this vision of the menorah in this chapter four here that was burning, not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. It's so easy to lose sight of the fact that God's spirit is helping in this endeavor to be a witness to Israel. And so when we're planning the shipment, in the containers, we asked the printer, how many copies of the book can you get on one pallet? And the answer comes back from the printer, you can get exactly 7,200 copies of the book changed to fit on one pallet. And then we asked, well, how many pallets can fit in one container? And we're told 20 pallets can fit in one container. So we get out our calculator, we figure out how many books will fit in one container, and we multiply 20 pallets of 7,200 books per pallet times 7,200 books in a pallet, and the 7,200 books in the pallet times 20 pallet comes out to exactly 144,000. That's kind of an interesting number. <laughs> 144,000 books per container. It was like God's message to us. Each container is going to hold 144,000. It's like God is saying each container is going to be like 144,000 little witnesses 
that I'm going to send out to Israel during this, that I'm also going to do during the tribulation to encourage Jewish people to come to Christ. It's God saying, I know you're busy. I know you're busy and you think you're doing it all. Translating, printing, packing, shipping, importing, storing, delivering. This is a, but I want you to remember that those books will be delivered, Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And whether it's the books as the little witnesses being delivered within Israel, or it's the second temple that's being built in Israel, it's all gonna be done, verse six, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's the reason it's gonna be done, because it's God's spirit, and because the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And just as God sent us a little encouragement with the 144,000 number, so God sent to Zerubbabel an encouragement when God said in verse seven, in verse seven, who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou should become a plain, and he shall bring forth a headstone thereof with shouting, crying, grace, grace. Zerubbabel needed encouragement because Zerubbabel saw all the obstacles that stood in his way of building this temple and there's more information given about those obstacles in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. But what Zerubbabel saw, basically, is he, he arrives there, he sees sworn Arab enemies as neighbors ready to kill the Jewish people. So what else is new? He sees a city of Jerusalem that's in total ruins. He sees no wall of protection. And he looks to these Jewish people to come with him. He sees a ragtag group of Jewish people that look like they could hardly fight their way out of a paper bag, much less fight the Arabs and rebuild Solomon's temple. And so he just sees one giant mountain of obstacles. And this is what God says to Zerubbabel in verse seven. He says, Zerubbabel, I'll look at those mountain of obstacles also with you. And here's my word to that mountain, Zerubbabel, who art thou? Verse seven, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone, that would be like the cornerstone, the most important stone of the temple. He shall bring forth the headstone therewith with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. Who art thou, O great mountain? Who art thou, O great mountain, that stands in the way of God who wants that temple to be built? When God is for us, and we look at the great mountains of problems in our lives, we look at the great mountains of obstacles that block us from moving forward with God, great mountains of impossibilities, we can say, the verses, we can say the words of verse seven also, who art thou, O great mountain? When you saying that is a strong statement of despising mountains of obstacles and problems and impossibilities. It's the same thing as, as hymn number 711, hymn number 711. Faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and laughs at impossibilities and shouts, it shall be done and shouts, it shall, it shall be done and shouts, it shall, it shall be done. Laughs at impossibilities and shouts, it shall, it shall be done. That's the same, same thing as saying Romans 8.31, Romans 8.31. What shall we say then? to these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, what's this great mountain of problem in our lives that's against us? Who art thou, O great mountain that's against us, standing in the way of God, 
who's for us? Romans 8.33, Romans 8.33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. 1 Corinthians 15.57, 1 Corinthians 15.57, thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If God be for us, what's that great mountain called death? What's that great mountain called death? Who art thou, O great mountain? 1 Corinthians 15, 55. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where's thy sting? O grave, where's thy victory? That's not an answer of cowering in the corner, afraid of death. Just the opposite. That's a statement of despising death. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who art thou, O great mountain of death, that you should stand in the way of God, who says, John 3.16, John 3.16, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life? Who art thou, O great mountain of death, who stands in the way of God, who says, John 11.25, John 11.25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Who art thou, O great mountain of death, that stands in the way of God who gives eternal life? God says to the mountain in verse seven, who art thou, O great mountain? Thou shall become a plain, knocked down to a plain. God said the mountain of opposition against Zerubbabel building that second temple would become a plain, and Zerubbabel would walk there with that cornerstone and lay it, and when he laid it, he would be shouting, in verse seven, shouting, crying, grace, grace unto it. And this is what God does for us also. And that's why we can join Zerubbabel in saying the words of Psalm 115.1, Psalm 115.1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and thy true sake. We don't say it was because of our good works that the great mountain of death keeping us from heaven, was leveled into a plain. It was God who overcame our death and who therefore we say, Psalm 115, one, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and thy truth's sake. And God said, not only would Zerubbabel start the construction of the second temple, but his hands would finish it in verse nine. Verse nine, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. It talks about in this part here, it says in verse 10, in verse 10, that they're gonna see the plummet in Zerubbabel's hands. In other words, he's gonna be holding the plumb line. You go look at this ruler here, he's the one who's gonna be holding the plumb line. Make that wall straight. It's not straight. Here, let me hold it up here for you. He's going to start the construction. He's going to finish it. And when God finishes it in our lives, with our lives, God saved us. He's going to continue with that foundation of salvation, just like Zerubbabel. God will finish it. Being confident, Philippians 1.6, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing. He which hath begun a work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It looked like Zerubbabel was never gonna finish that temple. 
But God told him, because it was so small, everything was so small, small group, how do I have enough people to do this? Where are my tools? How I got all, where's my protection? There's rubbish everywhere. And he was, and, and, and God says, God said to Zerubbabel, don't you dare despise the day of small things. Verse 10, verse 10, who hath despised the day of small things? They shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Zerubbabel looked at the start of the building. He saw small, so small. He, saw, he said, I remember, you know, they remember Solomon's temple. And the others remembered Solomon's temple. And they said, what is this? And God said, don't you dare. Because when the people looked at that, they, in Ezra 3.12, Ezra 3.12, many of the priests in Leviticus, chief of the fathers who were ancient men, that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy. All they saw was just the cornerstone. They just saw the first stone. It says in Ezra 3.13, Ezra 3.13, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people, for the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. And in his heart, in his very heart of hearts, he said, I know God's gonna do it, but he's tempted to despise this little building, this little start. And God says in verse 10, who, where is he? Who is he that despised the day of small things? And Zerubbabel heard how the enemies of the Jewish people, they despised what the Jewish people were doing and trying to rebuild the temple in Nehemiah 2.19. Nehemiah 2.19, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Gershom the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the, t- the king? Nehemiah 4.2, Nehemiah 4.2, he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. And Zechariah knew. Yes, but there were two olive trees, and they were the key to that menorah burning. Because that menorah didn't go out because it was being supplied by that, those two olive trees that were feeding the pipes, that were feeding the wells, that kept the, kept the menorah burning. And, and Zechariah asked, what are those two olive trees? I know they're the key. What are they? The two olive branches, he says in verse 12. What be these two olive branches which through their golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he's given the answer in verse 14. Then said he, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. I see two anointed ones. The angel tells, those are two anointed ones. Who are those two anointed ones for us that keep us going, that keep the oil supplied in our lives? Those two anointed ones are the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They supply the candles of our lives just as those two olive branches supplied the menorah, keeping burning until we go home to be with them in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, your sustaining. Thank you, not by power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.